If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. Everyone deserves a chance in the driver's seat. For GM and Revolt, that means leading the way on the road to an all-electric future and envisioning a world with zero crashes, zero tailpipe emissions, and zero congestion. GM's committed to making EVs accessible for everybody. That means you too. So what are you waiting for? GM's got the keys. You grab the wheel. Learn more about an all-electric future and the 000 initiative at GM.com. GM, everybody in. What it do is the H-Town legend Lil Kiki and right now I'm jumping off the porch with the Dirty Glove Bastards. Salute. Pay attention, Texas is here. Ain't no stunting, hunting money for the rest of the year. S-U-C. Right, so we got a down south legend yeah. off the porch with us today, man. So welcome, Lil Kiki to Don. Big man. salute, thank you. Yeah. Big fan of the show. Nah, I appreciate you coming by, man. I've been listening to your music since probably the early 2000s, you know what That's I'm saying? Up. So yeah, it's an yeah. honor to have you here today, man. <laughs> been running. Yeah, so how you feeling today, man, first Great, off? man. I'm, I'm, um, I'm honored to be back in here. Like I say, man, at this stage of your career, you want to make sure you always adapted to everything that's going on in the content game. Like I say, I love y'all page, man. I love the way y'all connected to the streets and the artists. So when I had to come in and do some work, I was like, man, let me go see what the guys got going on the porch. Beautiful. That's my type of talk. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Yeah. And so one of my first questions I want to ask is like, you know, you've been in this game for what, 25 years. Yeah. How have you remained to stay relevant during 25 years? Because I'm sure you've seen a lot of artists come and go, man. Um, first thing was, was adjusting to time, you know, with what's happening, like, um, I'm, I'm real entrenched with the younger artists. I don't mind doing the videos, the song, with them content, just really keeping up time. I've never been stuck into one thing, as you know, no matter. I don't care if it's a cassette, a CD, a streaming, I'm with it. You know, <laughs> a NFT, I don't give a damn what it is. I'm going to try to tap into it. And, um, and at the end of the day, just getting better with time. Yeah. Yeah. At any point, did you ever feel like giving up, like quitting? Like, all right, this is my last, this is my last album right here. Nah. Nah, I got over 50 albums. And, uh, and then what I tell people all the time is, don't get me wrong, you get a little discouraged throughout the game because the game changes. But I just always believed in the rap. You know what I'm saying? Even when I've done um, 12 CDs in a year before. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't about if it was going to be platinum or gold. I just believed in the music all the way till I got my catalog to where I'm living off of it now. So even when the game was changing from a cassette to a CD, from a CD to a stream, and then it was getting strange, I just stuck with it. Yeah. yeah. What's your thoughts on the streaming era, and especially how it pays out compared to CD sales? Because I know the CD sales, you guys were killing it in the day. But. I'd do anything to go back to the CD sales. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, I'll adjust with it. I think, man, um, it's great because um, it's more diversified and there's more things going on. You have to be really a part of the social game. It's very hard to understand, but it's just like anything else you do. You're gonna have to maximize your working. You're gonna have to really put it in to do what you need to do. So it's here, you know, ain't no scene to complain about. You gotta be able to adjust to it. Is it gonna be like a CD? Probably not, but I'm loving it. I'm living off of it, it's good. Yeah. <laughs> And what's your thoughts on social media and how that's changed the promotion side of the game? 
Man, I was just telling somebody on, in an interview, man, that dropping an album or dropping a tape was something so difficult to do and, and had so much time and related to it. Now you can drop this shit in the next six hours. <laughs> but I tell people all the time, it's a gift and a curse because when I was coming up, people just loved me for me. You know what I'm saying? Lil Kiki made so hundreds of thousands of records. We love him, we love his music. Now you can love somebody for their music, but you might tap into them social media and you might not be into their personality. You might not be who they is. So you, even though they're a great artist and you might want to hear them, you might not want to see what the fuck they got to say on social media. So it's a, it's a, but I wouldn't, I love it. I'm adjusting to it too. It's yeah. great. Did you always embrace social media when it first came up or at what point nah, in nah. your career it was like, all right, I think I got to do this. Nah, I had to, you know what I'm saying? I didn't, I didn't always, because I didn't, I didn't, I didn't understand posting. I just ate some pizza. Oh, 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 shit, you know, I'm getting ready to go to the store. I, I didn't understand shit like that. But, you know, when the checks start rolling in from it, then, you know what I'm saying, you start getting more adjusted. I never thought I'd be, a, I'd make a TikTok. I have a few TikToks going right now. Hey, you so, got me beat. I still haven't gotten no TikTok. Hey, listen, with. hey, listen. <laughs> it ain't number my cars, but I'm on there. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm just always um, real intrigued about adjusting to what's happening. So, at first, I wasn't with it, but I wouldn't take it away now. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Because I think that the promotion, man, like for instance, man, I drop my music on my platform now. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not, and no knock to the radio, any artist that comes up, I think you should have a great relationship with the artist, I mean, with the radio and the DJs. But I live on my platform. I got millions of listeners, just me. You know, Absolutely. so my fans, they don't go in their car and turn on the radio to hear me. They put it on their phone. So I love the social game. Yeah. On the flip side, what's your thoughts on social media and how it's impacted the streets and the people that's in the streets? Yeah, that, that, that's not so <laughs> That ain't went too well for us. I think, man, because um, I think people are so intrigued with popularity. I think people are so intrigued with instant gratification. I think people are so intrigued with people, you know, you know, it ain't, it's past props now. You know, people want to be glorified, man. People want to be loved. I tell people, likes and followers ain't customers. You know what I'm saying? And, 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 and uh, you know, making music and making money off of music is two different things. So the social media to the streets, it's been a little bit of a detriment because a lot of people, um, you know, things that were taboo to us, things that we wouldn't do, showing our money, talking about it, smoking, drinking, showing drugs, these things we would have never done you know, coming out the streets and now people have made it popular and we starting to see that, you know, it's backfiring a little bit. So I hope we're able to clean it up, use the social media um, to our best ability. But I think it's, you know, right now for the worst. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. What's advice you would give to like some young people that's coming up in the streets on how to avoid that then? Well, man, all you have to do, man, I would give the advice is um, just be careful. You know what I'm saying? Be, uh, be, more, be more disciplined be more mindful of the things that you finna get ready to do. Uh, you know, they all come with consequences. And it just goes back to the, the original saying, all money ain't good money. So I would, I would tell people to go back, just because it's gonna make you some money, that don't mean it's always gonna work out for you, man. It might end up to some time, it might end up to some depth. So that's all it is, man, just respect the game. I think people so intrigued about the dollar amount that comes yeah. from it, too, it's hard from the stop, but I would tell the youngsters and have a little bit more discipline in picking what you're gonna make money from. Absolutely, yeah. man. All right, so let's take it back to the south side of Houston. <laughs> so just kind of try to paint that picture of what you know Houston looked like back then when you were coming up, you know, as a kid, even before you jumped off the porch. Well, man, Houston looked like south side fades. It looked like double cups. 
you know, look like Vos and Swangers and Martin Luther King. And I tell people, man, the um, I just was having this crazy. I, I liked it the game when we had haters instead of ops. <laughs> I trade the ops back for the haters. So, you know what I'm saying? Because, man, we, we really, in our city, man, we really enjoy it. You know what I'm saying? We really use the words parlaying and Kool-Aid and having a good time. Our city is really based about cars and parks and Sundays. And so I, I, that's the picture that I, I remember. So the picture of, uh, of people getting shot up and all that, that's not a picture that I'm familiar with. So from, from 96 all the way to uh, 2006, it was more about the cars and the money and the women and the independent records and like me doing 40,000 out of the trunk the first week. Those were the days that I remember. So, you know, this part right here, I think it'll pass over. Yeah. Yeah. What, what's Houston looking like today in 2022 then? Hey man, it overcrowded. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody from California moving in and, um, but it, it's looking great. I think the music scene is a little bit more, you know, it's not just stressed into the independent. You have Travis Scott, you have the Megas, you have more people going. But it, it's still, again, we're still a major independent city. I think that um, our, our car game is just as big. Everything that we built from a culture standpoint is just as big now. Yeah. From the streets to the only thing that's probably missing, we're not so much into the chopped and slow music no more. Mm -hmm. But the culture that the chopped and slow built from the, from the car culture to the clubs to the women and all, that's still there. It's even, it, and it's a great tourist spot. I think that anybody that comes to our city from Atlanta, California, whatever, they really enjoy themselves. The food, of course. Yeah, I've seen a lot of artists, even from Atlanta, they're moving out to Houston. From 50 Cent, from whoever, from New York, they just moving. It's a now, people are always trying to move there, acting like it's a, um, it's a great cost of living and hey, hey man, it ain't that much savings no more. <laughs> All this shit high just like everywhere else now. Now, but people are coming to enjoy it, man. Um, no state taxes, the weather, you know, the um, uh, the nightlife is great. The food life is great. And um, it's a great place to stay really, to be honest. Yeah. So when would you say you jumped off the porch? How old were you? Uh, I jumped off the porch um, eighth grade summer. Um, what I mean by jumped off the porch, this is when uh, I didn't have to start going in the house when I don't mow it. Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba da ba ba ba. The street light. I stay where I want I want to. Um, I tell people all the time, man. Um, at 15 or 16 years old, man, I had to feed myself. I remember being in um, in um, 10th, 11th grade, and you had to buy your own school clothes, had to buy your own shoes. So I've been living off music. My first tape came out at 21. My first real big song, Pimp the Pen, um, it came out in 96, but we started the screw tape era in 93. So I've been off the porch, man, ever since about 92, 93, really living. And like I say, my first album was in 97, and I haven't turned back since. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have any older siblings? Did you have any like homie, big homies? OGs? I got an older sister. I mean, I'm, I'm raised by my my dad had me at 50. Oh, wow. At 50 years old. I'm going to tell DC Young Fly about that. Yeah, he got me beat a little <laughs> bit. But my dad had me at 50. And um, so all my sisters and brothers are older. I'm right now have a sister that's older than my mom. You know what I'm saying? Like when my dad met my mom, she was 28, he was 50. He told her he was 35. So I got sisters right now that's 74 years old. So uh, my older sibling, I'm more raised by the streets. Okay. You know what I'm saying? I'm more raised by 
looking up to more cats. And sometimes that can be for the worst, you know what I'm saying? Sometimes, man, I've been heartbroken by having to look, try to look up to the streets, whatever, but I survived it. No real big brothers, no uncles, no cousins, more homies, more streets. And, and the brothers that I do have uh, is from the love of the streets that you grew within that, yeah. What would you say was one of the biggest lessons you learned while being in the streets then? One of the biggest lessons, man, that I probably learned while being in the streets was, man, you know, I would say, man, that's a good question. I'm trying, so many lessons. But I think one of my biggest lessons is not taking advantage, man, of every opportunity that I was given to get out of the streets. That was my big lesson. I had so many chances when I was young to get out of the street from a tile to be, to get out of the streets, do what I need to do, and I just kept on going. I tell a person right now, I had a warrant for 10 years, and I had about five or six chances to get out of it, man, and I just kept going. So one of my biggest lessons was being more encouraged about discipline. And like me, all this syrup and drinking you see right now, that was another big lesson. I don't drink. No drinking, no none of that, man. You know, syrup, no codeine, none of that. I left alone 12 years. So one of my biggest lessons was being overindulged in things that I should have been let go and to get further in life. That's, that is my biggest lesson, to be yeah, honest. I feel that. Yeah. Um, so did you meet DJ Screw or who'd you meet first over at the uh, Screwed Up Club? Nah, 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 nah. Screw used to get his hair cut by my barber. Okay. In our hood, you know what I'm saying? So, like I told people, the first time I met Screw, it wasn't about, Screw tapes weren't even popular. You know what I'm saying? Like, they weren't big in the streets or they, it, it, it wasn't going on like that. It was more engaging for me to get on my partner tape. He was getting his hair cut and his tape was significant. And once we got on that tape, we started to go, we went to Screw House another time and another time. By the third time we went to Screw, that's when we kind of realized who he was. You know, his tapes were starting to spread, but he still wasn't as big. And um, Screw was, he was so intrigued and so tripping, man, on how hard we went those times. Because like I say, man, we practiced that freestyle and shit way before we got there. You know what I'm saying? Months and years. It took us months and years. When everybody was getting to go to Screw House, we wasn't. You know what I'm saying? Like, we wasn't popular as being able to get over there. Man, when we got over there, we took over. So my third time going to Screw House, I really became a factor. By the time I went over there for the fifth time, I was able to start going by myself. About six months into it, I was a star. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah, big star. So did you click with everyone that was over there too, all the other artists? Well, let me tell y'all what's funny. We weren't artists. <laughs> See, we didn't go there as artists. We went there as, I just, that's my partner. I know him, he from another neighborhood. He's from this, such, such. We didn't go there like the Swish House movement with Michael Watts and Slim Thug and Camille. They went there as artists. So Slim Thug might have ran into Paul Wall there or, Paul Wall might have ran into Camille. Now, these people weren't artists. Me running into Pokey, he wasn't an artist. Me running into Big Mo, he wasn't an artist. Me running into Fat Pat, he was just another guy, another street cat. We were just making tapes. We didn't become artists till four or five years into it. When I was coming over there to make my tape as a screw tape, I could care less what yours sounded like or if you was an artist or not. We didn't even start collaborating as artists to maybe 96, 97. Okay. Yeah. Um, what can you tell us about DJ Screw, like outside of, uh, you know, his music speaks for himself. Well, like what type of person was he? Man, I tell people all the time, man, Screw was the most conservative and he is slow as the music. You know what I'm saying? That music that y'all hearing slow, Screw is just that kind of slow. But the, I would tell people, man, the misperception is 
we didn't drink the drink and make the tapes, man. Like the tapes not really slow as that. We made the tapes with fast music. The tapes, so a lot of people get a misperception of Screw is this, he this slow drug. Hey man, Screw is lively. He's a regular, per he's just a regular DJ and that's what people don't know. He, he's not flashy. It took Screw three years, three or four years before he even knew it. Screw was 20 some years old not knowing how to drive. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he wasn't even driving, you know what I'm saying? So he's very down to earth. And um, he didn't really start even really showing us none of his personality to maybe 96, 97. Really? From 93, 94, 95, Screw was dickish t-shirts in, in the house scratching all day, 20 hours a day. Probably came out two or three times in a week. Go to Jack in the Mouse, get something to eat. Go to the, um, the wholesale store to get the tapes. Screw was very, very low key and conservative. Not loud at all. Yeah. yeah. So at what point did you realize, all right, I'm really good at this rap and shit, and this shit's starting to pay off for me? Well, I was starting to see we was really good at it when we were just freestyling. We wasn't even rapping, and there was people lining up at the doors, buying a thousand tapes a night True. at $10. And then, man, you know, when we started doing small, little bitty small shows, like we never did talent shows, or we never did, um, what, what are those, talent shows or any of that? We just went straight to getting to it. So to see people reciting these freestyles word for word, these not even wrote down raps, that's when we kind of started taking it more serious. And then when I dropped my first album, Don't Mess With Texas, I did 40,000 independent the first week. Um, it was time to take it serious right there. <laughs> <laughs> that's some good money it, right it, there. It was, time, it was time to start realizing that it was on. So from that point, but I always kind of stood out a little bit. Me and Pat were the one that kind of stood out a little bit more so we probably started taking it a little bit more serious before everybody else did okay yeah and that phrase don't mess with texas yeah was that something that you had coined or was that something just everyone was saying nah nah astros jersey astros had don't mess with texas i grew up on new york i grew up on california and i realized that we didn't have capital records uh, interscope we didn't have none of those things on the corner. We wasn't really respected as a culture for music, what our music meant. And it was good for me because I had already grew up in at Screw House with not worrying about what you think. We freestyling, we, we not rapping, so we could really give a damn about it if you like it or not. So when I got ready to do my album, I wanted to represent for the state. So all these H's and everything that you see people throwing up, I was throwing that up in 1997 with the Astros jersey and Astros hat on as a 19 year old kid. I've always been about Texas, all the way to my new single today, We From Texas, has always been about that. So nah, that, that was inspired by me. And the song Southside. Yeah. Like, so I'm guessing your inspiration was, I'm just going to put on for the Southside on this, or? Yeah, we was, we was Northside, Southside. And I was city, we was Northside, Southside. And um, that actually came from, I was doing a little time one time, <laughs> locked up. And every day, it was a little, guy, a little guy in the cell. He was doing a song called Northside, every day. And they would gather up on this side of the tank. It'd be 15, 20 of them, and they sing this shit word for word. So I came up with the Southside. And when I came up with the Southside, once I got out, I went to Screw House, did a screw tape called Home Sweet Home, another version of Southside, it was great. And then when I done the album, that's kind of when the dance and it all came together and then it, it, it took off. Because at first when we dropped it, we couldn't even really play it in the city. It was still really? Southside and Northside beef. And uh, the dance is kind of what smoothed it out a little bit and it kind of went, because we weren't dancers or really was making a dance. It was just something on the song and it took legs and it took off. Do you know where that beef originated from? Was that like before your time? Like you were kind of just born into this South Side, North Side beef or? I had a little something to do with it too. 
those screw tapes had became the gospel. And we was just on them screw tapes talking shit. It had something to do with, we felt like they was coming on our side of the town, robbing us and we was over here having the money and they was, it, it was just a whole big thing. It's all cleared now, but yeah. at, the, at the time, we were, we were the voice. You know what I'm saying? To hear about the beef and to hear about the robberies and to hear about the shootings, you had to listen to the screw tapes. And we would, and I was probably the, the main shit talker all day doing it, so. <laughs> it's all about growth though, you know. It's all about growth, about it's all about growth. Yeah, so 25 Lighters. Yeah. Um, what was this studio session like when this song was A freestyle studio session with DMD, you know what I'm saying? And he just, at, like I told, uh, we had, um, we had became, we were starting to get, you know, a little bit in the game. You know what I'm saying? It's when something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludicrous. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holla at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. As far as people are requesting to see us, and you know, we still local as hell, so DM, DJ DMD was a person who was intrigued with Lil Kiki and Fat Pat. He actually booked the studio session. He was an idiot. Okay. Man, we got in the car, me, Pat, C-Note, Screw, and we just all went down there, and he did, a, and that day he just turned on a lot of beats. We done a lot of freestyles. And as my other freestyles are big samples, he went in there and cut something up and made a big sample and it's history. Did, yeah. you, did you know at that time, like, this is... No, you know <laughs> what I'm saying? None of these samples, all the samples that you hear today from a Bun B, from a Pimp C, from a Slim Thug, knocking those down, draped up, you, we had no idea. That was the fun part about the Screw Era. We didn't go in with nothing intentional. All this history, all this legendary, all this information was made unintentional. It wasn't like we went in, man, we're gonna be stars, man, we're gonna make this, we didn't, you know what I'm saying? And for it to turn out the way it is, it's legendary. It's still a whole culture right now. Absolutely, yeah, 25 yeah. years later, yeah. how do you feel when like the new era of generation of rappers is sampling I, I the song? I love it. I, I, people always think that that's a detriment and I should be upset, but I tell people, man, it's, it's it has a lot to do with my relevance and why I'm still here, you know what I'm saying? And why I'm still revered and why they still have, they admire me in that type of way. So for just as much they sampled and it didn't always go my way the way I thought financially, it went my way relevant um, wise. And, and, and at the end now, from a financial standpoint, it's all caught up. <laughs> it's caught up now. Understood, man. <laughs> um, so what type of person was Fat Pat? Um, have you ever seen the movie Fat Boys? Mm-hmm. That's cool, Roski. That's what I tell everybody. It's cool, Roski. Fat Pat is cool, right? Fat Pat is the most flamboyant. He's biggest miles, cool, Roski. Uh, heavy D. Anybody that's a big boy and player, he's that. You know what I'm saying? Very flamboyant. I tell people, Pat would have for sure been a star. He's very confident. Uh, he's very skillful from a singing standpoint, from a hook standpoint. That's why I knew he would have been. Me and him was very serious about hooks. That's why I'm here today. I got so many albums because I make so many hooks, so many legendary songs. So Pat was very, very, very flamboyant and very, very musically inclined. So he, he would have been a character out here today. He would have been a chip off the Pimp C type of block. Okay. Yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> yeah. And what about Big Hawk? 
that's my brother. We stayed together before. Man, Hawk was a, 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 a college grad. You know what I'm saying? And the culture was rolling so big till he just, Hawk couldn't freestyle. He don't have any freestyles. He really couldn't even rap. He didn't even know how, he, he didn't even know how to arrange them. I showed him how to write. He just was very smart and very good with words. So me and Hawk stayed together, very, very funny. You know what I'm saying? That's my bro and um, that's my spade partner. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, that's my spade partner. We'll kick ass all over this. Uh, this country playing spades. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I ain't played spades really since because that was my spade part. But very, those brothers, they, they brothers, but they actually opposite. You know what I'm saying? Pat, real flamboyant in the streets, pop, more conservative. and But yeah, man, good guy. Great. Long live the legends. Really. Long live the legends. Yeah, man. Um, just kind of talk about like the grind it took back then to even get your music heard. It's like, like we said, there was no social media, there was no internet. You guys were like hand to hand out the trunk with this. Right? Well, how I, even my story of how I got hot, um, back in the game, we had these things called snippets. Many of y'all cats probably know what that is. You know, and a snippet, man, is, was very important before the album because that was giving people, you know, it can make you or break you. That was giving people, and I remember, man, we pressed up 20,000 snippets, got in a van, and drove them all around Texas to every mom and pop store, every small mom and pop store we took these snippets. We did that in about May of 1997. In July of 1997, we've sold 40,000 real CDs, real cassettes the first week from that grind. This was the real driving down the street, ain't no navigation. Hey man, stop at the blue house, turn you left. Look at a map and shit. <laughs> All this shit, you know what I'm saying? And that hustle is, I think that particular hustle is what made us be able to survive and be here 20 some years later because you had to have that real grind. So when you came with this shit like streaming and I, Man, that's easy work. You be all I gotta do is sit back and do it from the telephone? Oh, that's easy work, because we had to do it physically. You know what I'm saying? We had to really get in the car, and you really had to go see the DJ, you yeah. had to go see the promoter, you really had to go do all that, and it shaped us for today. You know what I'm saying? I, these younger cats, they probably wouldn't even understand no shit like that. You know what I'm saying? Getting in the car six, seven, eight hours just to go get $1,000 and all that, that makes you respect getting in it and going to get $20,000 right now. Real talk. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. even like you said, it's Probably built so many relationships. Yeah, yeah. Just by because promoters. you had that face to face contact. I got promoters that booked me in 96 that's booking me in 2022. <laughs> yeah, same ones. Absolutely, man. Yeah. So, what I learned is that you was actually on the run during most of this time, too. Boy, how that's, the hell that's, did that's, you. That's, that story rolling, ain't it? <laughs> how the hell did you pull that off for 10 years? Um, a lot of luck, a lot of favor, and a lot of discipline. You know what I'm saying? Like when you're on a run, it, you, you, it becomes, you know, you have to make choices that, and, and like I say, I wasn't, one of my things was I wasn't, I wasn't doing too much illegal at the time. I was really living off music. I was able to, but I was really like on some shows back in home and every once in a while I get a scare. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I was so known and so popular. I would have police come up to me and be like, hey man, you know, you got an issue. No, you got a situation. And that would set me back for, you know, I would be, uh, and I was telling somebody earlier, man, I would always be saying, I'm going to turn myself in for Christmas. After, as soon as I get this Christmas, as <laughs> soon as my son's birthday over, as uh, uh, soon as my mama birthday through, I'm, I'm a, and it just went on for 10 years until I signed with Swisher House and I finally got it behind me. Yeah. 
And you actually signed the Swisher House for no money, right? No money, no, no cash, money. not a dollar. I wanted to just, it was for two reasons. One is because I really wanted them to invest into making sure I was going to get what I needed to get as far as some. I just really wanted some songs and video because to be honest, I really felt like I was going to do some time. You know what I'm saying? I was like, man, can I just get a great album out? And they were, um, at the time, the type of rap that we made and the culture that we built, they was winning off of it. You know what I'm saying? They was doing well off of it. So they knew how to handle my music. And I was just like, man, if I can just get a great album before I go, you know what I'm saying, before I really get in trouble. And it ended up turning out well. I got out of all of it. You know what I'm saying? So it was a great deal. So you didn't have to sit down at all? Three months. Three months. I did three months for running for 10 years. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I did three months, 100 grand, 100 grand in 90 days is what it took to clear it all up. And I'm not saying, because um, it wouldn't have worked, but if I would have knew if that was all it was going to be, I probably would have been. <laughs> but yeah, man, I had a warrant. I ended up getting in trouble in 1996, got an appeal bond, a bond out on appeal bond. Never went back and, and ended up getting a warrant for my arrest and um, I had it for 10 years and what I ended up doing was I had different lawyers who wrote me different receipts and said they done this and we brought it all back to court and it was so long man the judge showed me love and um, I did 90 days for it. That's a huge blessing right there. Man. You and know came, how bad came, that could have been. Shit, got my life back. And that's why I tell people all the time, the Swish House situation was more about the music and I'm a G a chunk of the dudes. They really gave me an opportunity to get my life back when I didn't even think I was. No, definitely. Yeah. Man. So you go over to Swisher House. Um, I take it you probably have good relationships with the other artists over there at this time? Not really. Not really? Not really. You know what I'm saying? They doing their thing. You know what I'm saying? Like we really, you know, Mike Jones doing his thing, Power Wild doing his thing. They they very familiar with who I am, but as far as having a relationship with them, I don't. And then when I got there, they was in the transition of Mike Jones kind of separating. Okay. You know what I'm saying? And I was coming in, Mike Jones kind of separating. Now, me and Paul, we like this, and we still like this here. I probably got more respect for Paul from a, from a, game standpoint from a professional standpoint i got more respect for power wild than anybody he showed me a lot i'm older than i'm his favorite rapper you're going to tell the whole world that over and over but what he did for me in my career during that time of just showing me how to be professional showing me how to be on time kiss baby sign autographs he was um, giving me half on shows and giving me money on shows when i got out when he didn't have to he's on chunk up to do he did a lot for my career and i really respect him so we still lock tight yeah <laughs> Was that an easy transition for you, coming from the streets into the industry like that? Uh, well, let me tell you, to be honest, I transition over easy. I've been living off this here 30 years. I've had to do nothing, nothing but this. <laughs> I can quit tomorrow. I've been living off this here 30, man, no, man 25 straight flat. So I've never kind of wavered out of, out of it. I always believed in it. Like I got over 50 some albums. Some of them had nothing to do with sales. Some of them just had to do with believing, believing, believing. Like some people want to go get fronted something or go somebody give them some money. When it was time for me to get money, if I felt like I was broke, I was at the end, I did another CD. I always... If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Bottom up, up, up. At participating McDonald's. Hedge my my loans or whatever. If I wanted to borrow something for you, I wanted to borrow something for some beats. I wanted to borrow something for an album cover, something I knew I was going to be able to pay back. I don't owe nobody anything right now, not a dollar, not a quarter, because I hedged my whole career 
on my music. Yeah. And now my career and my catalog, it takes care of me. I was doing all these tapes before I had any idea streaming was on the way. And then when streaming, by the time streaming got here, I already had 20. Hmm. And since streaming been, I've done another 30. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. So chunk up the deuce, man. Yeah. So did you go into this song like, I need a single for this album? Or was this just, just yeah. another song? Yeah, we was, we was, we didn't have a deal then. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, um, I wasn't, Paul Wall was signed to Atlantic, Mike Jones, I think his situation was in Warner. Uh, you know, all through asylum, but I didn't have a situation. You know what I'm saying? I just was with Swish House, T Ferris. We were still trying to figure mine out. Chunk up the deuces, what actually got us the deal okay. with Universal. You know what I'm saying? So, man, it was a um, it was a much needed song. It was um, it was in the frame of what was happening. We just came from still tipping and draped up and back then, so it was in the frame of that. And what's so good about it, man? I own it, and it might be the biggest song on my catalog, actually. Absolutely. Yeah. Big, big streamer. So it's beautiful. So were all of you guys in the studio together or was it something you created and was like, Me and hey. Paul, me and Paul, you know, I think me and Paul, you know, but um, me and T. Ferris, we were some hell of a workers. You know what I'm saying? Like me and T. Ferris and done an album in a whole night. Gangsta Grill, we done that in one night. ABA, we done that in one night. Chunk Up the Deuce is actually on ABA. Chunk Up the Deuce not even on my album. Yeah. Love by Few, it's on ABA. Because when we signed, that's the, uh, the song that got us the deal and we never even even put, that's, I'm thinking about that. Is Chunk Up the Deuce on the album? I think it is. Is it? I think so. I think but, it's on streaming at least. Okay, uh, yeah. yeah. At first, man, you know what I'm saying? Like we, so it was the song that pretty much got us the deal. And uh, we got the deal and, um, it done great. It was good for leveraging the city back together. The city was at a cross, you know, between the North and the South. I'm the biggest rapper from the South. It was so much with the SUC captain going over here to do this with SUC. So it was a lot of controversy built around that signing and Chunk of the Deuce kind of leveraged it out. I remember we done the video and brought out the complete city. The video that, that it should have been for Chunk of the Deuce, which had the whole city out, that didn't what y'all end up get to see. Y'all end up getting to see what we put together with the with um, hoops and which was a beautiful video. But I, I remember that day chunk up the deuce and I felt good about it because all the controversy that we had, you could just see the city combined that day. Beautiful. Yeah. I think that song really helped you go national. It did. It did. It did. You know what I'm saying? It did a lot for me um, nationally. And like I say, man, it got me. The main thing that it did, it got me back on track in life. You know what I'm saying? At that time, Chunk Up the Deuce, if you go look at the Break em Off video mm -hmm. with me and Paul, I'm not in that video. I'm locked up. It's that time right there. You know what I'm saying? That it's happening where I got in trouble. So I'm locked up. So for me to get out and get Chunk Up the Deuce rolling and get myself, it was great. It got me here today. Good show, man. Yeah. All right, so let's move to knocking doors down, man. Okay. Um, so did Pimp reach out to you to get you on the song? He did. He did. Pimp reached out to me and we fell out for a couple of months behind the song because Pimp had a different narrative to the song. He wanted to come home and kind of fix some Houston issues that we had between the artists. That was his mindset. But that was another one of my Kiki samples. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to rap about what the sample is about and knocking those down is about holding and slamming and Cadillacs and the way we roll cars, knocking those down, blowing pops around. Pops around is when you pop trunk and the speakers that was in the trunk pops around. So what Pimp C was talking about was some total different shit. And I didn't want no, I don't want to be talking about slamming and rolling. I don't want to be doing that. You know what I'm saying? These are my partners. You know what I'm saying? So 
But the song ended up being a real big song. We knocked it down and um, <laughs> low little pimp, man. <laughs> did he tell you like he was replacing that third verse for the video or did you just nope, find out? Nope, when nope, nope, nope. I'm, I'm going to be honest. I'm mad at him too because I just had my biggest video and, and, and the, well, my comeback. This was my comeback to, to the game, chunk up the dudes, and he owned the song and he missed my video. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm like, man, you didn't miss my video. And so, so we ran into each other in the airport and we fixed it. So I just felt like I didn't go do the video because I felt like I had got took off the original part of the song because I wasn't, Pimp ended up having two verses and he ended up bringing Lil Papa in who was talking about what he was talking about. So I'm on the, hey man, listen, if you turn on my verse, it's the biggest verse that you'll hear. But since I was getting took off of, I was being pissed. I'm mad too. Shit. <laughs> man, pimp mad, I'm mad. You know what I'm saying? But that's my guy. That's my big brother. We fixed it and worked it out. But at the time, that was the reason why. Did it take long for you guys to squash it and figure it no, out? No, 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 no. Pimp gonna talk to you about some shit soon as he sees you. <laughs> I saw him at the airport maybe a week after the video. Okay. Him coming in and me going out and we just stopped and handled it right there in the airport. I'm like, man, you, man, you know, he hit me with, we gotta stop letting them labels take care of all the different men in between. <laughs> That's my guy. You know he gonna get away with it, what he wanted to. But at that time in his career, Pimp was real vital about, you know, trying to get the city back together with such, such. which before he came home and said that, it was just rolling. We could just, you know, whatever they were saying, they were saying. So he came home and um, he done a great job with just trying to bring everybody back together. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it seemed like you never felt like you were in the need to have to choose a side between all these different beefs, or did you? Well, well, no, I didn't want to choose. I didn't. I, I still don't when it when it happens. I'm not a person like that. I don't want to choose side. I'm just um, I'm a trendsetter. I feel like I'm a um, I'm one of the mainstays, and uh, I'm one of the most people that they look up to in the culture. I never want to be one-sided about it. You know what I'm saying? Because man, most of the time, this is it's not no beef. Ain't nobody finna get shot for real. You know what I'm saying? So we having some beats behind what you don't like about this person, about a song, whatever. And I just always feel like it'll work itself out. Just imagine picking sides and here we are in 22. It's all worked out. You know what I'm saying? Nobody's mad, ain't nobody, and here you are picking sides. So I never tried to pick sides. Yeah. And I don't think he was picking sides. I think he was saying. No, he was trying to bring everyone. Hey, man, together. cut it out. Let's get it back together. But at the time, he ain't know. That's, you know, they tripping. They ain't fit to work right. <laughs> um, so did Bun reach out to you for the verses? Yeah. Man, hey, listen. Told him wouldn't miss it for the fucking world. I'm on my way. You know what I'm saying? Like, man, listen, we grew up on Bun. Really, to be honest, 8-Ball is my partner like this. We real close. You know what I'm saying? That's my brother. And um, I was gonna come to the verses regardless, cause Bun hit us in a group text, me, Slim, and Paul. Hey, you know the verses going up. We all, man, I'm on my way. We just didn't know that it was gonna be that fast. So when he called me back and said, "Yeah, I'm gonna bring you out on Drake," <laughs> man, you know I'm on the fucking way. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. So I was on my way, bro. And it was, and I really loved. I think from a down south standpoint, you know, we get to see the other southern. I love the the G's and the Gucci man, but, but this is UGK and A Ball. This really raised me. You know what I'm saying? So I sat right there and sung everything in rehearsal, like I was at a real concert. You yeah. know, what I'm <laughs> real talk. What was the atmosphere like in that building? Because I think um, through the verses, it's hard to gauge what the crowd was really like. Man, it's a beautiful energy. Now, this is what I tell people. People was more thinking about 
I didn't understand from the crowd standpoint because I didn't know if it was supposed to be super packed or not. I thought we were just there from a crowd standpoint, from a filming. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it could be on Instagram or Thriller. So a lot of people was, they would have probably wanted to see it in Houston, whatever. In Houston, it would have been. I mean, they had to be neutral for yeah. Ball and G, you know? The reason why they say in Houston, because we love Ball and G like that. Yeah. They lived with us down here in Suave House, so we felt like, y'all would have been right at home too. <laughs> I felt like what y'all felt like, man, you know, it might be a little bit. But man, in our city, we like bringing here because we would uh, we love both of them. You know what I'm saying? Ball, we really love Ball and G in the city, so it would have worked out. Yeah, no, it was great to see it for the culture. Hey man, man. I, I loved it, man. I, yeah. I was happy that, um, you know, to bring out, to see Big Boy. I hadn't seen Tila in a long time. That's it, yeah. Hey man, they coming out with, hey man, Tila came out exactly what I thought he would do. With the mink. <laughs> that's Tila right there. You know, that's the Tila I remember. So it was a beautiful thing, yeah. yeah. And, to, and to have Bun really, you know, energized about Pimp. Because at first, man, I told somebody, um, we was gonna have a concert one time that Bun was gonna have a concert in the city. And all the legends, me, Slim, Paul Wall, Devin, all of us, we were gonna do all the Pimp C parts. Oh shit. And boy, if we would have got to do that, you know, so that would have been be but just to see him still let Pimp C parts play in the spirit, be in the building, great. Yeah. yeah. Nah, incredible night, man. Incredible. Um one of my favorite features is, is uh the gray cassette, man. Oh, with um with Trey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I tell people, man, that's probably that particular one is the one that you know, but that sample has probably been used the most. <laughs> that's probably the most popular, but that ass on the tight, white, great, that's the most one. You know what I'm saying? Like every, like the draped up, the knocking those down. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba -da -ba -ba -ba. A chunk up the dudes, um, screwed it already warm, it got to be a G, 25 lighters, all of these are from my screw tapes, but that great cassette one, man, that's probably the most, that's the one because it's from the original Pimp yeah. the Pen. Yeah, so Absolutely. it's probably So what was it like working on Love by Few, Hated by Many? It was, um, it was different because, um, that was my first time, it was my first time in a long time working on an album from a professional setting. Switcher House was already in a professional setting where, you know, the beats were really costing. Mm -hmm. You were really having to sign off. I'm used to be able to get these beats, dropping them, running off. I had made it to that stage. So everything, it was much, much different from an interview and pictures and this, on the road and gone. I had been away from the professional side of it and I still had all my bad habits you know what i'm saying i'm still drinking and smoking and staying up all night so that was the biggest thing from a music standpoint i knew hey man i went straight over there killing aba gangster hey man i told him when i got there man i'm coming over here to tear y'all ass up that's gonna be the least that i can do for y'all tear y'all ass up when i get over here on this microphone so i had a great time going over there now me and power we work well together they had young red all the swish house family and i just came over there as an og and, and I wasn't worried about no money or nothing. Just turn that mic on. And the mic got me to everywhere I need to be. Yeah, for real. That one was dropped by Universal? It was released? Yeah, that Universal? was dropped by Universal, okay. yeah. So was that, was that process any different? You know, this one coming through a major? It was because um, it was a strange situation that we was in where, like I say, Asylum 
had Paul and Mike. Well, when I got there, I didn't have a situation yet, but G-Dash and T-Fairs, they were doing a lot of things for me through their process. You know, like, like shit, Atlantic is sending Paul to go do the basement on BT. I'm kind of sliding in there with him. <laughs> they kind of got such and such going over here. I'm kind of getting on that too. And it started to get to a point of, we doing a lot of shit for Kiki, and he's not in our way. We not got no kind of interest in him. You know what I'm saying? We not finna make a dollar on him. So that situation was a little funny until I got my deal. And man, just to be honest, man, that was my second deal. And I still wasn't prepared for it. I, didn't, I always tell people about deals. Don't go into deals about what the deal people can do for you. Still take your deals and always go into about what you can do, what you can get done. And each time I come out of deals, whether I come out of the college deal, I come out of the university deal, even though it's bad things that happened and didn't go my way, I always look back at what part I could have kind of played mm. and kind of speeded that process up. Even when I was young, got a college deal. I got two, 300,000 up front. Everybody want to complain about how bad Koch was in that time, but in my mind, I was like, I probably could have spent a little more of that money on some videos, a better beat, a better, you know. I just got the money. I was 20. I just went crazy with it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and you be thinking that when you get deals, get the money, do what you want to do, and then they're going to back you. So the universal situation, I have no complaints really about it. It didn't go exactly the way I wanted to, but it's probably a little bit more that I could have played myself in. But it also opened up the doors for me to be who I am right now. Absolutely, yeah. man. So let's talk about this new album, man. Mm. Legend out right now. Mm. So first off, just what inspires you to keep creating today? Like we said, 25, 30 years later. Hey, man, listen, man. I like all them chains and cars and shit y'all riding in, too. I want some, too. You know? <laughs> no, no, I'm just saying. No, to be honest, man, um, I always felt like we're getting better with time. Um, in Texas, we have our own fan base. We have our own music. We're able to live off of Texas if you want to. I can live great. I can live in Texas without ever having to come see anybody. You know what I'm saying? But what I wanted to do, man, for the last few years, I had been making catalog music, different series. I had the um, 713 series that done well. That got me to where I want to. Then I came with the Self Made series. Self Made 1, Self Made 2, Self Made 3. They done very well for me from an independent standpoint. But I, I was starting to get you know, just, man, I'm just doing them. I'm just dropping them. Okay, I'm making this much money a month now. If I drop this album, I'm gonna make this much now. I said, man, what can I do to really put a better effort in and start reaching out to some of these producers that always reach out to me, put a whole better effort. That's when I just started getting with the Justice Leagues and, okay. and, uh, and, and Juicy J, Crit, Drama yeah. Boy, Mr. Lee, all mine. And um, as I start seeing the process of me, how good I felt about being back in the studio with a crit and Juicy J hearing a beat and he want to do a verse on. I'm like, man, I need to go ahead and just do a great album. And it done very well. Yeah. It's done very, very well. We from Texas came out smoking. Um, I got a new single I just dropped a couple of days ago called No Cap is doing well with an artist I'm about to drop called Al D. So um, legend album. The one thing that I do love about it was you got to stick your chest out to name your album legend. You know what I'm saying? And that's what it, people was like, man, well, you name, yeah. You know, I, I represent it. I know what it mean. I know the, how to be the people's champ and the villain. When it, That's what it takes to be the legend for as much as praise, props, and homage they gonna give you, you gonna get a lot of spite and, and derogatory and ridicule. So for me to combine all that, that equals to legend mm -hmm. to me. And um, 
man, the album came out great. You know what I'm saying? I really worked on it. Took more, more time than I usually do, maybe a year. You really? know what I'm saying? Yeah, That's because cool. I was taking three months on songs. Songs I got with Bun, B, Crit, and Toby. It took me a month and something to put that together. Juicy J, he sent me the beat. All I was going to get from him was the beat. Then he wanted to do a verse. Then he <laughs> caught COVID. You know what I'm saying? So all these different elements were happening. In the same time of that, I was writing a book. You know what I'm saying? So it was just going on. But legend, it, it's been great. And I think um, I always do music to figure out if I want to do it again. Because I'm at a point where I don't have to do it. Mm -hmm. you know, I don't want to do another one, I'm good. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'm gonna live just like this, you know what I'm saying? So to do them, to get motivated to get in that lab and do those albums, you have to be, you know what I'm saying? And that was a great one for me. Absolutely. Yeah. Man. Uh, what's your thoughts on the new wave coming out of Houston right now? Hey man, I love everything. You know what I'm saying? I love it. Only thing I always tell people is make it work. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you can make it work, like, I'm into all the girls, the, 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 the Libra Joe Lees, the Ken the Mans, the young ones that's coming up, the, um, the Jades. You know, I, I love everything. I love the girls. I, I'm bringing them up because they just as hard as workers. They're killing it right now. <sighs> they the killers. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, so they the killers. And then you got, man, you got different diverse. Man, I love what Maxo Cream goes into. I love Sauce Walker this way. Like, I got him on, that's why I put him on We From Texas. It was a wild card. I said, you know what, man? I'm going to go with me, Slim, and Zero. Then I'm a wild card and put Sauce Walker on it. <laughs> man, they love that shit. Yeah, they, you know what I'm saying? I don't so think they it was saw different. that one coming. Yeah, but. so they didn't see that one coming. So I, um, I love the new generation. I love what they do because, like I say, I keep up with time. And I just always tell them, man, if you can get you some bread off of it, man, get it. But just branch out, man. Don't. Sometimes our artists, they fall in love with being stars where we from because they seen us. We big stars in the city, you know what I'm saying? And sometimes they see how we revered and admired in the city and it stops them from going first. So what I do love about the young artists from a Megan, from a Max O'Cream, from Trap, whatever, they, they reaching out and going as far as they can go for the city. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did you ever sign any artists in your career? I'm doing it now. Okay. And I have before. I've struck it out. You know what I'm saying? And it wasn't the artist's fault. I think that signing artists is a vibe, it's an energy, it's a time. And sometimes a couple artists that I've signed, we friends now, we still cool. I let them go. I got contracts on artists that I have nothing to say about. You can go do what you need to do because our timing wasn't great. Our energy wasn't there. And I was still focused. I had to learn that I was still so much focused on myself. You know what I'm saying? I had so much more to do. Now that I'm kind of more relaxed, you know what I'm saying? Like, I got some big thing. I'm working on it now, so I'm crazy. You know what I'm saying? So I'm putting together a couple. I'm going to try to do one or two at a time, not five or six. Yeah, I think one that, that kind of gets excessive when you you're know, trying to manage one that. One or two, many. you know, one or two. And I don't have no no, no certain place where they got to be from. I just want a great artist, a hard worker. Yeah. yeah. Um, what can you tell us about this volunteer service award that Barack Obama awarded to? I got lucky. You know got lucky. I got, yeah, I got lucky. <laughs> He nah. ain't giving those out for no nah. reason. Come on, man. Man, listen. What was so crazy about it was I had a um, my actual CPA. She used to work in a, um, in a situation where she was over the she was in the company where they put together who they're gonna pick hmm. to see. Hey, man. So she called me. She was like, "Man, man, do you know they got your name in this?" Um, suit thing, I mean, in this little poll to get a Lifetime Achievement Award. So I hit her with, for what? <laughs> I'm like, fuck, what I do? You know what I'm saying? She was like, yeah, they got service workers and people with purple hearts. And 
I hit up with, I damn sure ain't finna get it if somebody <laughs> that got a purple heart. So I ain't did no purple heart work. You know what I'm saying? So she was like, just put it, dude. She was like, this is the process of seeing you made it to this. Do you want me to go ahead and put you in to see? I was like, go ahead. Yeah, you know, man, some months passed by that time. Hey, do you know you finna win this award? I was like, for what? Yeah, I, I kept saying for what. They were like, man, your services and uh, what it was for was, man, I'm real big in the Little League football. Um, um, the youth football and all those years of buying those helmets, buying those shoulder pads, fixing those, you know, having those hot dogs and taking those trips and taking those kids and I never wanted nothing out of it. You know what I'm saying? Like I do it from my heart. I'm a big little league advocate, man. They can have all my money now. And just doing that to see, to see, to be award, rewarded for doing something that I do that's straight from my heart, that's love, that I, and I, and I tell people all the time, I didn't have to tell nobody. I didn't, I didn't post it, I didn't show it, I didn't tell nobody, I didn't, I didn't say, hey, look at me. It just happened organically, you know what I'm saying? So that was a great thing, and I learned a lot in that process. That was my first time really kind of facing some racism shit too, man, because when I won it, it was trending very, very big on Facebook. Like, this was Facebook, I'm like, damn, this, I'm talking, this is worldwide trending. So I tapped in. I never tap in. I tapped in and to see some of the comments and some of the people, man, they was all saying, saying shit like, he just had a warrant, he's had a weed case, he's this person, and it was all, it was crazy because, man, I just got this award for doing something for kids, man. I ain't, I ain't do nothing special with just for kids, so it was a great thing. I learned a lot for it, man, and I really appreciate it, and I got it big on the wall. Nah, yeah. as you should, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nah, salute to you for giving back, too. Oh, man. yeah. Because like, these communities definitely need that, mm. man. Absolutely. All right, Kiki. So what's next, man? Like, next year, next two years, next five years. Do you um, still set goals for yourself? Yeah. Movie. Okay. Um, I want to do a movie about my life. I think, man, that um, the screw movie, my life, it ain't that much. It ain't that much different. It's about, it's about, it's just as much intel into that and that's going to be later i'm jumping in the book game i'm trying it i got a new book coming out july 13th it's called legend talk it's coming off my platform it's going to be on audio and hard copy so i'm trying that and and no different from the investments that we all going to be into real estate or whatever but from a music standpoint i ain't ready to lay it down i'm ready to keep on i want to do it with the artists i love music that's my main thing so i don't really try to talk myself out of it i'll, I'll be around here like kevin lyles now gray hairs 50, 60, still part, I, I, I'm, I'm, hey man, as long as they want to give it to me, I want it, you know what I'm saying? As long as I can come sit on the porch, as long as I'm gonna be doing it, you know what I'm saying? So that's my future, I'm at it. I yeah. got you, man. Yeah, you always have a seat here, but that's yeah, appreciate sure. it, thank yeah. you. You got any shout outs you like to give before Oh, big shout out to here? the culture, first of all, shout out to the whole game, man. Just, man, shout out to hip hop in general for us just continuing to grow, man. No matter how much they try to knock us down, even what we got on that's going on from what's happening in Atlanta with Thug. And we're gonna get past that, we're gonna get better. This is a game for us. And um, I really appreciate And shout out to the city, shout out to my team, shout out to the SUC and the, the um, you know, just everybody who support me, This the fans, first of all, and just and, and make, making me be able to still be here. Great thing, yeah. I do wanna ask you about that then. Uh, what's your thoughts on them using lyrics Against oh, rappers and cool. man, we got we to hurry up and get that out of there. <laughs> I'm talking about we all going to be fucked if we don't get that out of there. You know what I'm saying? I don't think that's, um, I don't think 
I think that's another way of them trying to take it from us, man, or or put us in a situation to where we're not going to be able to prosper the way that we pro- – because, man, just think. Just think if you're actually able to start holding the the, the lyrics against us. You know what I'm saying? It's going to be – Everyone would be out of here. We're going to be – hey, man, we <laughs> – Everyone. Hey, shit, we need to go get print. Well, uh, well we all should have got prints and all of them, man. They got sexually <laughs> – <laughs> no, nah, I'm just saying. I don't think you should be able to hold that against no artist, man. And um, I think that'll play itself out, man. I, I think I heard Jay Z them or somebody that was fighting mm-hmm. for the situation yeah. for that not to be. But in the meanwhile, while it's happening, we gotta be. We gotta pay close attention to that, man. Yeah, yeah, we do. Would you think about like taking down your old music if Hell they started nah, doing yeah, shit nah, like yeah, that? Like man. it's so ridiculous when you think about. Hey, it. man. The thing about it is, man. Um, that should be the thing. Are they gonna be able to go back and go to how far? Yeah. So this thing they holding against thugs, this is new, right? This mm-hmm. is something that's new. Nah, yeah, I don't think, man. I, I don't think that'll work itself out in the end. I think it would be, but just the fact of the matter that it's being said and done is, is scary on its own. I don't even think we should be this far. I think it'll work itself out, but that is even in progress, that's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, cool. Thank you, bro. Yeah. Pay attention, Texas is here. Ain't no stunting, hunting money for the rest of the year. SUC done, key, not a pressure. When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludicrous. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holla at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois.